Hi everyone, welcome to Finding Answers. This is Uttam Gupta, your host for the show. The goal with this show is to introduce you to the people and ideas that will help you get answers to all your questions regarding life, career and business so that we together can learn and grow every single day. While listening throughout this podcast, if you learn something or hear something that you feel is interesting and thought-provoking, then I encourage you to take note of it and share it on your social media and tag me and this podcast. So on the show today, we have someone who is a very dear friend. He's a killer D2C entrepreneur, ex-CEO of Dr. Vedas, and now an engine investor and a VC. In the last four years, he has built a really successful D2C brand, Dr. Vedas, absolutely from ground zero, and at a god speed made it India's largest Ayurveda brand. And the amazing thing is, last year it got acquired for a whooping 100 crores, making it one of the India's first successful D2C exit. In 2009, he went to Brown University for his undergrad. In 2013, he moved back to India and joined the consumer sector. And then, in October 2016, he started building Dr. Vedas. He was the first Ayurvedic entrepreneur to be featured in the Forbes 30 Under 30 Asia list and Business World 40 Under 40 list. He has also won Youth SMB of the Year from Amazon and Dr. Vedas also won the Retail Startup Award from the Retailers Association of India. And even after so much, he's the most humble and sweetest guy I have ever met. So please help me in welcoming Arjun Vedya on the show. Hi, Arjun. Thanks, Uttam. Thanks for the introduction and really excited for this conversation. I was waiting for the call up from you to be on this podcast. So I'm super excited to be a part of this and have this conversation. Likewise, that's you just being humble that you were waiting. <laughs> I'm really excited for this conversation. Oh, very excited. Let's do it. Yeah. So, so what are you up to these days? You are in London right now? Yeah, I've just come for uh, a few weeks to the UK, out of the World Invest European office. Um, and then oh. I'll head back to India in early November. Nice, nice, nice. So, firstly, I want to start with a track back to 2015, around that time when you were still in your job and you didn't had even thought about starting up. So, what 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 was going on that time? What made you make that switch? What what is the backstory of Dr. Weathers? I think we have to go much before that time, right? Not okay. 2015. We have to go back to like 1850, right? So, my family has been in Ayurveda for. 150 years, my grandfather, great-grandfather and generations before were all Ayurvedic doctors. Our family owns a large IP in Ayurveda, right? Like more than a hundred proprietary formulations passed down from generation to generation. And um, my great-grandfather started a clinic in Bombay. My dada took it over um, and ran a clinic. So Dr. Vedias wasn't a business. It was an Ayurvedic clinic. When I was young, I suffered from juvenile bronchitis. I suffered from asthma. I grew up with pumps, nebulizers, inhalers, steroids. I wasn't allowed to play cricket growing up. Like You know, I'm a big cricket yeah. fan. But at age seven, my grandfather moved me off the cricket field um, and made me start playing golf and squash because there was too much dust on the cricket field. Right. So this was the Ayurveda that prevented me from playing cricket. I, I used to go to birthday parties when I was young and I was not allowed to have ice cream. I was not allowed to have Coca-Cola, Limca, Fanta, Sprite. I remember... The first time I had ice cream in Baskin Robbins, I was 12 years old. My parents took me on a Sunday evening. I got a scoop of vanilla ice cream. but had to wait till it melted. And I had it like soup. Because the 
cold of the ice cream would jack my throat right so that's the childhood that i had and asthma prevented me from all of these things but 14 years of treatment from my grandfather of ayurvedic medicine and i was cured at age 15 and a half and at 16 i became the captain of my school cricket team and wow. wasn't a very good team um there weren't that many people who wanted to play but for me it meant a lot right yeah. so for me it meant that ayurveda allowed me to overcome this big issue in mm. my life and then take on what i wanted to do right so i went to the us for my undergrad in 2030 or in 2009 i went to brown university and while i studied economics and politics i saw move towards natural organic products right mm-hmm. i saw yoga being completely repackaged with yoga mm-hmm. mats yoga gyms yoga apparel lululemon i saw all of this stuff happening and then i thought to myself that's crazy right because it's something from india it's been yeah. taken there repackaged rebranded and being sold back to us now that's yeah. insane right so so i, I started yeah. thinking that ayurveda indian companies indians need to take ayurveda to the world right came back to india with this thought in 2013 i worked for 3 years in a private equity fund called l capital asia um, and i saw a lot of changes happening in the indian consumption story right so we grew up in an india at least i grew up in india you're a little bit younger i grew up in an india which was obsessed with imported products i grew up in an india where for my 11th birthday i was gifted a japanese electronic sharpener from a store that only sold imported products because what was considered imported was good and what was indian was substandard right this was changing indians were con- happy to consume quintessentially indian brands i was fortunate to work with one of our portfolio companies fab india and i saw this change happen i saw e-commerce also happening right to think about today we take e-commerce for granted we take amazon flipkart mintra yeah. we take all of the shopping for granted but 2013 we were asking questions like will indians buy clothes online you yeah. think we buy it without trying it in the store so i was seeing this change right like mintra jabong pepper fries evami yeah. blue all these companies come up amazon mm-hmm. flipkart and the last thing was ayurveda was undergoing a renaissance right so mm-hmm. ministry of ayush was created after the government changed patanjali revolution was happening and large companies like colgate and and hul were mm-hmm. sort of relaunching or launching their herbal or ayurvedic ranges and customers like you uttam were interested in ayurveda mm-hmm. used to come and ask questions right and and all of this was the macro the micro for dr vedya's was unfortunately my grandfather passed and before i went to college i made my dada a promise that i'll do something with this legacy i'll take it forward because my dad wanted to take it forward but doctors and businessmen don't see eye to eye and so eventually my dad went his own way and started a business in the jewelry and watch space but i made my dada a promise that i'll take it forward and i won't let this family legacy die and so after he passed away actually i said look this is rich legacy i made my grandfather's promise there's all this macro supporting why there is a need mm-hmm. for a new age ayurvedic products brand i'm 24 and a half years old i have nothing to lose let's go and do it and so mid 2016 quit my job october 2016 launched a company called dr vedya's named it after my dada um and and we'll sort of we'll get through the rest of the journey to this conversation but that's the background behind how i started dr vedya's and why i did what mm-hmm. i did mm-hmm. so weren't you scared of starting up because you had not built a business as such So, do you had any fear when you were starting up? Look, I think Uttam, I was nervous, but mm-hmm. I won't say I was so nervous, right? Because pretty much at that age, like your maybe lack of knowledge or naivety mm-hmm. prevented me from getting as scared as I should have, right? Because I didn't know what I was getting into. Pretty much, I think from that perspective, I wasn't as scared as how scary the journey actually was. Also, I think. 
the fear or the expectation came from my grandfather's name more than just starting up it was like look i'm starting this company it's my grandfather's name it's my family's last name pretty much why mess this up my family goes to shame right so right. i think that was more fear than the fear of starting up yeah yeah so so what was your uh, initial process of validating that idea that okay my family's name is at stake and i need to do something which is not bringing it down so how did you validate even before going all in that this is something i should really work on it and it will go and become big look i was really supported by my family as well right so it never was like hey if i mess this up everyone will be mm-hmm. disappointed in me etc all of that and i think from that perspective because my dad is an entrepreneur he understood the journey and and what i would go through i think there was no pressure as such validation uttam came from this micro and macro right micro was we mm-hmm. had this we had these great formulations yeah. macro was all of these things supporting it and then i mm. thought to myself there is no ayurveda brand that talks to uttam right like mm. i'll i'll give you the uh, an interesting story behind this right so yeah. when i started dr vedyas i'm from a gujarati family but i didn't speak gujarati so well because mm-hmm. my grandfather was a doctor he always spoke to me in english but all of his vendors suppliers our factory was in silvasa so all of these people spoke gujarati right and so i went to a raw material supplier once and he was talking to me in gujarati i replied to him in hindi he said hey why don't you just send someone from your team who can speak gujarati better and so i ended up taking gujarati classes right every friday at 12 o'clock a gujarati teacher would come to my office and teach me for an hour and i would like to talk to her about ayurveda right she pretty much knew what went into all my products saying like amla is the most important component of chavan prash and bringraj goes into hair oil and i was like wow like i know this because my family legacy but but like none of my friends would know this and that's mm-hmm. when it clicked that the older generation has a connection with ayurveda but the younger generation has zero connection right they think chavan prash is black bitter sticky and inconvenient they don't think it's an immunity booster or is really good right okay right, right it's not their fault because the west repackaged yoga into downward dog mm. and cobra pose and pigeon pose from the asan names and that needed to happen with ayurveda so that was mm-hmm. the real sort of aha moment that hey we have these formulations we have these products they are really good but there needs to be a connect between ancient ayurveda and modern consumer that's what the real thesis behind dr vedya's was understood so i i feel the confidence that you had uh, and the support was also because that problem was very personal and very close to you right like uh, one thing that i have learned uh while building growth school with rahul is that like one of the best ways to build any business is that if you have that problem if you have faced that problem personally then it's it's a lot easier it's not the only way but it's a lot easier it's it's a lot better so i guess that was the case with you as well that is why because you had suffered from that problem and you do not wanted more people to go through and you wanted to take it to a greater height Exactly, and there was like that thing at the back of my mind, right? That I'm doing this for my grandfather. I'm doing it with mm. my family. I'm also super patriotic, right? Uh, I mean, you would have seen I wear this band yeah. of India on my hand at all times, yeah. and so I felt that I was doing something for the country as well, right? Like yoga was taken from us, repackaged, rebranded, and multi-billion-dollar industry, but we had nothing to do with it, and mm. so we should be the ones taking Ayurveda to the world. That was the that was the other real big purpose. That was family legacy plus taking the science forward, and then. in health and wellness right you create a lot of impact that was also really exciting so i think these three things put together mm. made it something that made me passionate to go to work for 15 16 hours for four and a half years every single day so here i wanted to just bring out two business lessons for the listeners as well 
first if you have like really good strong why like you you won't be that scared as scary it is like made in the outside world about starting up second like if it is a personal problem it's really good so the third lesson i was saying was that you do not need to have a like very unique idea right now that idea could be like already there but if you can present it in a different way if you can make it relevant for that time then also you can start up like because a lot of time people have this myth you need to have a very unique idea or different idea then only you can start up but here the lesson that i can learn from you and people can learn is that you don't need to have a new idea you can have existing problem and make it relevant and contextual to that time and that uh, for the, those people and, and and it will still work no absolutely i think your three insights from there were were spot on and i think that eventually as an entrepreneur right look i think you face failure all the time mm. you face issues you face problems and you you always see things not going your way right but the key hallmark or mm. characteristic of any founder for me mm. is the grit and resilience and if you don't have that why you won't fight that hard entrepreneurship is a roller coaster and the winners actually have fought the hardest right if you look at any of the successful unicorn founders you'll see a lot mm-hmm. of failure you'll see a lot of struggle and yeah. i think the why helps you get through that right so after after having these ideas and everything sorted the foundation was clear how did you plan like what were your next steps when you in 2016 you started to start this what what was your plan how did you plan the next steps so look i think uh, i was talking about failure and so it's Mm-hmm. have to talk about the big failure that we had right and how that eventually mm-hmm. led to the pivot which made our brand really big right so we started mm-hmm. offline we started two products herbo fit goodness of chavanprash in a capsule so solves the black bitter sticky inconvenient nature of chavanprash and multivitaminizes it or puts it into a capsule which your daily ayurvedic multivitamin immunity energy booster and live it up live it up is a ayurvedic hangover shield so we took these two products to market think about 2016 d2c wasn't a term that existed right and so right. pretty much all brands went to offline channels to sell right and and that's where we went as well mm-hmm. and i had a big launch event at taj lands and hotel at the end of 2016 invited distributors media press at this gala time um and then we signed up six distributors they agreed to distribute our products right so we had these six distributors uh we had 22 sales reps on field in bombay and the first month you're able to clock 10 lakh rupees of primary sales now for me that was a big deal right like first mm-hmm. month yeah. i was a good student in school i had a i went to a good college had a good job out of college and now i'm clocking 10 lakhs and then i'm like a private equity analyst right so i'm like making that excel sheet it's like 10 lakhs 20 lakhs 50 lakhs one crore five crores and i'm like okay this is on this is like yeah, going to be yeah. what i didn't realize is that primary sales means i build to distributor if distributor doesn't build to retailer retailer doesn't build to customer and customer doesn't buy i don't get paid mm. so three months later i got 90% of these goods that i put into market back as returns nobody mm. bought it and i was devastated like beyond devastated right? like first really big failure of my life i would say not even like not even my business journey my life mm. right and so I, i reflected and then i after being devastated and like locking myself in a room for like two days Um, I started reflecting. I said, "Look, lot of competition offline, right? Dabur, Patanjali, Imami, Bedinath, Zandu, Himalaya, all of these guys offline. I don't know offline personally. I'm like really young and I have no experience, and I don't have the money to compete with them. 
Mm. So I can't win this game at least for now. Mm. All right. And then my wife Trisha who was my girlfriend at the time, she had moved back to India from the UK. She had worked at Goldman in the UK, moved back to India. And she was in the founding team at Nike, right? The old team at Nike. So she had also seen e-commerce happen. She said, "Look, this e-commerce thing is happening. You got to do it online. It's 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 the way to go, right?" And and I reflected about it, and it just seemed like wide space. Whether it could be big or successful, I wasn't sure, but it seemed like wide space, right? And so, convinced her to join the business. Uh, we got engaged. She joined the business, and we pivoted to online only in November 2017. So I think this failure allowed us to establish. The key tenet of Doctor Vedas, which was D to C and Ayurveda, and that's why I think failure is important for founders. Got it. So then, then what were your next steps? Like when you made that decision of pivoting online, then what were your next steps? What was your plan? How did you go about it? Yeah. So next step was honestly November 2017. We launched our website. We realized two products will not cut it. So we launched on the mm-hmm. 29 products. We had 29 products on DoctorVedas.com, and we were one order every few days on our website. One order every three days, I think, is what we clock. I remember literally celebrating every order, right? And then for the next one year, with a small core team, we learned online business, right? We learned D to C. We learned Facebook ads, Google ads, website tech, ops, CRM, logistics. Picked up all the customer calls ourselves. Understood what the problems were. And in that one year, we got a grasp of D to C, and we also scaled our website from one order every three days to fifty orders a day. If you think about fifty orders a day, it seems like a pretty rubbish number, right? Like not, well, not rubbish, but it doesn't seem like a very big number. Not very exciting. Fifty yeah. orders a day in November twenty eighteen on a single branded Ayurvedic website before the term D two C existed was a pretty big deal. Um, and at a customer acquisition cost of like thirty thirty five percent, we started believing this business made sense. It was not just in our heads now. Now it was a business. Yeah, yeah, right. There was thirty thousand, forty thousand, fifty thousand rupees of revenue coming every day from our website. And from there we said, okay, now we can really hyperscale this. So, so uh, what systems like what systems did did you build before scaling? Because I feel that you need to have system before you go for blitz scaling because that is only way you can scale. So, what were the systems that you built? How did you build them? So, look, I think our doctor way there's just two parts of the journey, right? Mm-hmm. First two years, zero to fifty orders a day, establishing PMF, and then next two years, fifty to five thousand orders a day, and Hyperscaling, mm-hmm. scaling, whatever you yeah, may call it. Yeah, yeah. Now, first we made the mistake with offline, pivoted to online. Mm-hmm. When we mm-hmm. did online, right? We built all our systems of understanding the online business. How does a mm-hmm. website work? What do Facebook ads mean? Run mm-hmm. our pilots on Facebook ads. What's a good customer acquisition cost? How do you do CRM? What's the right logistics partner? How do you do logistics? How should I set up my warehouse? How should the warehouse look? What stack should be in the warehouse? Who are the right people for the team? All of this took one year to learn. In in 2018, and once we had all of this in place, and we were at 50 orders, we said, okay, 50 ka 100 hoga, to be we are fine. And and 50 went from 100, 100 went from 200, 200 went to 300, 500, 1000, and and the rest is history, right? But I think that one year of scaling from zero to 50 orders a day allowed us forget the systems, allowed us to grasp online business, and we had the good fortune of working in that time while there weren't as many customers online shopping. Competition was also lower, so we are allowed one year. Today, brands are allowed three months. This one year is compressed to three months. You don't have the time, but at that time we yeah. had the time, right? And so, yeah. I must have answered five hundred customer calls myself in that one year, and that allowed me to understand what the customer was feeling, what the mm-hmm. customer was going through, what the customer needed from me, and putting those insights back in the business was what really helped us. So uh, here also is a very important lesson that 
you were not very aware about how this online space worked but you started and then you were open to learn and you learned and then you did things so like what people get wrong sometimes is you need to know everything before you start up but you can start up and you should be just willing to learn and be curious and then also you can figure out and do stuff absolutely no no i, I totally agree and i think we'll do a shameless plug for the growth school course happening soon definitely definitely yeah you folks who want to learn from our experience in d2c where happy to share um our journey and and our compressed insights through the course on growth school but i think yeah like that first year for me of of mm-hmm. d2c was critical into learning what d2c meant so so what were the strategies arjun that you think that you did in the first few initial years that really made dr vedas stand out for the customers and make it a very like Uh, make them made them very loyal customers to your brand. What were the things that you made sure that you did for your brand? I think the key I would say was the philosophies, right? Like we okay. established the philosophies of Doctor Vedas and three mm-hmm. key philosophies. These were: what does the brand stand for? It stands for proudly Indian, one fifty years of legacy, and new age Ayurveda. And mm-hmm. so the idea is with all our communication, branding, packaging. customer insights all of these things we need to bridge this gap between ancient ayurveda and modern consumers that was what helped us really add value to consumers lives right so we said bridge the gap what's the problem customers don't have a place where they can find ayurveda online what's the problem customers outside the top 10 cities of india don't even have access to high quality ayurvedic care or formulations offer a free consultation what's the problem customers respond on facebook but no ayurveda brand responds on facebook respond mm-hmm. to where the customer is whether it's facebook google instagram text message whatsapp live chat however the customer wants to interact with us we will interact with them there i mean we were the first brand to have a ayurvedic doctor on insta live answering questions live right because we understood the gap so i think building the philosophies sticking to those philosophies and understanding the gaps that's the real strategies that helped us what so arjun you talk to a lot of b2c founders you have been in this space for a while you have seen budding entrepreneurs as well what do you think most founders and budding entrepreneurs do wrong where do they get wrong today actually when i speak to a lot of founders as an angel mm-hmm. or vc mm-hmm. yes. or just as a mentor advisor mm-hmm. i think we overthink things like i i i released a podcast yesterday with viraj from viba mm-hmm. and if you hear that podcast you will see that execution trumps everything So if you overthink it, you over philosophize, and you don't start, pretty much you're giving someone else a chance to start and have three months before you, right? So I think today what I'm seeing is people overthinking and philosophizing without starting because until you start, you don't know what the customer wants. You cannot just build the business on whiteboard, <laughs> no matter how much you think through it. Got it. So uh, in case like now you mentor a lot of people and. So, if you want to just break down the steps and like you, if you want to restart the business today, what will the what will be the steps that you will take, and what you will suggest to someone who is listening, who is just interested in this space, e-commerce in D two C, want to start from scratch? Can you break down the steps if you were to restart? Sure. So I'll I'll try to break down the steps, although it may not be so simple. So I think the first thing is yeah. you need to figure out why you're doing D two C, right? That's step number one. Like, why is it D two C? What do you want to do in D two C? Is the problem you are solving really relevant for the D two C channel? Right? Because if you are selling phenyl, 
which is mm-hmm. a highly voluminous low value product the logistics mm-hmm. cost will not make sense right so you got to dig deep into why d2c makes sense as a channel what is broken in the existing channel and what are you trying to solve for mm-hmm. the second thing is find your product right so like don't think of a product that solves a problem for you think of a product that solves a problem for a large section of people mm-hmm. understand why you have the solution and then do your research find your product find your manufacturer trademark or, or ip protect the product and then do your first batch and sample moving from product to brand right what is your brand your brand is a being right and so mm-hmm. what is this personality of this brand what are the top qualities of the brand what is the visual guidelines or logo look of the brand and so that's step number 3 step number 4 is now you have your product you have your brand you go you got to go out and talk to customers right acquire customers mm-hmm. so what's the channel how do you acquire customers do you use facebook google instagram how do you set out your ads etc all of that and with that step number 5 is your storefront right mm-hmm. so is your website your storefront is 3b marketplace your storefront how do you build a conversion friendly website how does your listing look correct on amazon etc all of that so that's step number 5 after step number 5 a customers bought from you right mm-hmm. so step number 6 is retention mm-hmm. customers bought from you today and how do you get the customer to keep coming back um how do you engage the customer for the cross sell and upsell step number 7 um could come before step number 6 actually it's supply chain ops and logistics right so once the customers place the order how do you warehouse the product how do you dispatch the product how do you relay the message to the customer how do you reengage the customer once the product is delivered and the last step is once you have all of this right you have your product you have your brand you have your customer acquisition channels you have your storefront you've dispatch the order you try to retain the customer now it's okay we are here how do we build the right organization to hyperscale right so if i were to summarize it and and it's very difficult to summarize in such a short time but these eight steps would be why d2c what's exactly. my product what's my brand what's my customer acquisition channel what is my storefront and is my storefront optimized how do i get the product to the customers in the most timely and clean way how do i retain the customers to cross sell and upsell and then how do i build build this organization to hyperscale very beautifully uh, uh, conveyed uh, now the next question is like the biggest challenge in b2c business or any business i'll say is the retention so what were the strategies that you used to retain customer it's easier to acquire but to, it's very difficult to retain a customer so what will you say around that yeah i think from a retention perspective right we had to figure out what's mm. the right place to engage with the customer right okay. and i think that took some time because like fundamentally as customers we like whatsapp or we like email mm. but our mm. customers were 82% outside the top 10 cities right mm. and so they actually like calls mm. and so we actually built a really robust calling strategy at doctors and that was the highest roi retention channel so i think with retention it's don't overkill but communicate mm. to the customer enough but what people miss out is communicate mm. to the customer enough in the place they want to be communicated about that particular thing so lenscard whatsapps me i reorder on lenscard but for doctor wages maybe a whatsapp is not relevant for a customer set so uh, what are the like first steps is to identify second step all those things you have bro- uh, broken down but what are the spaces that you are eyeing for right now in indian e-commerce you are investing also you are seeing a lot of businesses so what are the interesting spaces or the products you are eyeing for look i think health and wellness and personal care obviously just makes sense for d2c and i have a personal mm-hmm. bias towards these categories because i've worked in these categories so i think those are still exciting although competition is pretty 
pretty heated in these spaces i think the other spaces where there is lesser competition and lot of scope for disruption is home and kitchen and pets these are spaces i am very excited about personally so after building such a successful business why did you exit and didn't continue to build on your own i think this question has come to me like 300 400 times <laughs> same answer to this question every time look i think um exit is a very personal decision nobody is right or wrong when they decide that mm-hmm. they had a great last year of business in 2020 mm-hmm. um, and i think in that year our business grew exponentially our investors made an offer to us to buy the business trisha and i sat down and sort of reflected mm-hmm. on what we built over this time period and mm-hmm. we just thought it it seemed like a fair outcome and so mm-hmm. we took that decision if you were in my place utam maybe you would have taken the same decision maybe you would have decided to stay on but yeah, we took the decision to, to exit and i think that was our personal decision with our personal mm-hmm. journey mm-hmm. what i think it's done though this one exit right mm-hmm. is it's given d2c founders the option right you see so mm-hmm. many projects yeah, right. happening so it's given yeah. it's given liquidity in the ecosystem it's given d2c founders the option Yeah. um and and you'll you've seen like a slew of exits after and they'll continue right and i think that was sort of important for the ecosystem as well so so what are your future plans like now you have stopped that do you see that again starting up or what are you going to so look i think um after we exited right we wanted to give back to the ecosystem and we wanted mm-hmm. to Help the next generation of D2C founders. We've mentored, advised more than 300, invested in 25, 27 from an angel capacity. I now run a VC fund, right? I run the venture arm for Vol Invest in India. And I think for now, for me, I'm so excited about this ecosystem. I just want to find a way to enable the next hundred founders, right? And and I think that's what's exciting me right now. Yeah. Is a startup going to happen at some point in my life? Maybe I don't know. But for now, I think I'm really enjoying this. Makes a lot of sense. Also, you had figured it for your own self. Now you want to take it to the next level and do it for hundred more people, so you can have a larger impact. Absolutely. So, 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 what are the key lessons that you have learned from your whole journey, in general, regarding life or business? What are the key lessons? Three or four lessons that you would like to tell. I think I'm I'm too young to philosophize on life. uh but i think from business perspective three key learnings mm-hmm. first failure is inevitable but the hallmark of a good entrepreneur is to fight back with grit and resilience and i think 2020 taught all of us that with covid as well mm-hmm. uh lesson two is you can't do it alone right as yeah. young founders we think we can put 15 16 hours into everything on our own a large scalable organization is only built with a strong core team mm-hmm. and i learned that a little bit later than i should have um so that would be my second insight and my third insight is a little bit of a controversial one maybe but see a lot of young founders say like this is my startup i'm continuing it with my full time job when my startup scales up then i will quit my job your startup won't scale up if you don't quit your job so unless you're all in with the startup mm-hmm. or unless you're giving your 100% of your time you'll not be able to scale it yes uttam your podcast my podcast these are hobbies for us right Yeah, these yeah. can be part time, but a startup can't be part time. Um, and it's okay to say I can't commit a hundred percent. I can't do it. I can't be all in because everyone's an entrepreneur. But if you are an entrepreneur, you got to be all in. Makes a lot of sense. Like you can start with your job, but once you are, once you have figured out, like this is going to work, you have to go all in. 
there's exactly. no where out so so you were talking about the second point of hiring like good people because you can't do it alone so uh, i feel young entrepreneurs get very wrong at that point also like they don't know how to build a people uh, first company culture and all of that so how did you do, do that because you were also young and building a good team is very important so what were the philosophies or the uh, principles that you followed in your company to like have a really healthy environment for employees and people look i think culture is critical for this right culture mm-hmm. is really important so we had seven philosophies and mm-hmm. dr ideas hard work is our strength humbleness our equity honesty our practice we go happy to work and happier to achieve 100% and nothing else team effort is our power and customer is our reason for being these are the seven philosophies and i think hiring via these philosophies choosing a cultural fit versus a skill set fit because skill sets can be taught embodying this culture as founders and building the same culture in the team that allowed us to even stay open during covid completely we were not shut as an ayurveda business so i think that's my lesson like from a hiring perspective or from a team organization scaling perspective a strong culture is not doesn't seem like tangible value in terms of revenue in terms of profits but but it just creates this aura of intangible value which i just just can't explain with numbers but it it really helps mm-hmm. so so while uh, like you set up the culture during that also like while you are working sometimes you get deviated not daily you are reminding the culture how do you keep the team motivated how do you make sure that everyone is able to perform at their utmost level and how things like how do you make sure things are working smoothly at people level i think as i said right it's it's difficult to to do it without a culture mm-hmm. um and so i think building the culture empowering the team right mm-hmm. this really helped us so giving people ownership giving people freedom giving people yeah. independence that that's what really helped us as an organization yeah i have also feel, uh, felt that giving people responsibilities is one of the best way to empower because that is the only way they also realize their potential because a lot of times this had happened with me like vaho gave me responsibilities that i myself had not thought about and he gave me and i was able to do and then he gave me more responsibilities than more so yeah so ajun i want to like hear your final words of final advice for people who want to start up or who are just young your just final uh, piece of advice my final advice to people who want to start is start that's my final advice right don't overthink it <laughs> there's no better time to be an entrepreneur in india than now just mm. go for it start and then figure out don't figure out and then start no don't spend too much time figuring out right you need to know uh, what you're doing where you're going yeah, but don't yeah, spend yeah. all your time figuring it out that's great thank you so much arjun it was like really insightful and uh, content heavy conversation in reference to building a d to c startup it was very much focused around that but i feel a lot of valuable insights people can get and also adding to this point that for anyone who wants to like go deeper into everything and want to learn arjun me with grows school we are building really good thing arjun you want to talk about that no absolutely look we are building an amazing cohort on d to see it has four and a half years of trishas and my insights packed into an eight week course we spent 
four five months actually building this course so we put a lot of effort into it and yeah we're very excited to launch it and and, and really sort of add value to the next generation of entrepreneurs as i said and, and hopefully this course can be that uh, that initiative definitely the idea is to bring an impact the idea is to bring the change in the indian d2c ecosystem and hope people listening to it whosoever is interested will check that out i will also link down arjun also uh, arjun's social media handle so that you can connect with him that was it thank you so much arjun for doing it thank you for having me definitely looking forward to meet you someday in person we have been in conversation yeah. for a while awesome thank you so much for listening so far and spending your valuable time i really want you to get involved in this conversation in this dialogue as we think out loud together about our minds our potential and possibilities of different things in this world you can reach out to me on twitter instagram or linkedin for anything that you want to get answered in the upcoming episode and please feel free to post about your takeaways from this podcast on social media and tag me along looking forward seeing you in the next episode till then keep finding answers